Hey, this is Akuya Jampfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Things have cleared up by the later stages. It tends to calm down. It's been really bad though. Maybe in June. It was... I've never had it this bad ever. Constant snot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So sorry. No, it's been awful. <laughs> but actually, saying that, imagine like, when you're on set and you've got those kind of problems, like hay fever and stuff. How do you navigate? Because obviously, you know, like you can't control sneezes, I suppose. So when you're in the middle of character and you've got a whole bout of hay fever, like how do they? Yeah. Do you have you ever no, had that it's issue? Awful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so annoying as well because it always happens on the best take. So you'll do the <laughs> best take and it'll be the longest scene and then you'll get to the very end and you'll sneeze and everyone will be like, right, wonderful. Let's go, <laughs> let's go again. Let's go again, guy. Or sometimes if it was really good, they'll like let you get away with it and try and script it in somehow. Yeah, script it in the sneeze. Like, okay, yeah, that, that's a good idea. That's a better idea. That's, I mean, hay fever is natural. We all get it. So more characters should represent hay fever sufferers, I think. <laughs> exactly. So um, you've just come into London. From where did you come in from? Birmingham. And that's where you stay? Yeah. Yeah, I live in Birmingham. Just got a little flat on Shaftesbury Avenue today, just because we're coming down for the premiere. So we're staying on Shaftesbury Avenue, which is nice. How often do you get to come to London? Being that you're spaced in Birmingham, do you have to commute for interviews yeah, I mean, and stuff? Yeah, I'm here probably, like, I'd say four times a week, three times, three or four times a week. But I just train it down all the time. It's only an hour and a half on the train. So it's actually not bad at all. I find it takes just as long as if I was commuting from one side of London to another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I normally just leave like two hours before, jump on the train, get in, and that's that. That's fair <laughs> it's enough. It's not too bad. You don't have to relocate to London. It's not as high pressure to do that now. And also, with the beauty of self-taping, that's really changed the game. When I was younger, I used to really think, oh, I need to get to London as soon as possible. I need to move there. But now, I'd say every other audition is a self tape so it kind of just you don't have to be here it's made it a little bit easier is it harder though to do a self-tape because you don't have the people in the room i'm quite lucky a lot of my friends are actors so they tend to record the lines for me okay. and they'll send me the lines and then you end up acting to like a voice memo which isn't ideal but it isn't right well it's better than nothing and i think that at least helps give you some sort of presence and sense of feeling to what you're yeah to what you're doing so how did you find how did you get the role in pincushion back in the day there was a site called screen terrier yeah, I probably know of it very well. And I used to check Screen Terrier all the time, every other day. And they posted an open call that they were casting for a film in Derby and they wanted local actors. Now, I'm not local at all, but I blagged it and emailed <laughs> and said, and I was like, I'm an hour away from Derby, but I can get there. Got an audition. And then, yeah, it was just from there. I had a few recalls, had chemistry reads, and then met the director, met Deb, and we just got on straight away. She remembered me as the girl with the Afro bunches because I kept going to the audition with my hair in little Afro bunches. Oh. And so she said that's what she kept remembering me by. And then I got the job and that was it. And then they put us up in Derby as we were shooting because I wasn't local, as they'd asked for. <laughs> was the Afro hairstyle strategic? Um, not really. <laughs> I think it helped me get the job just because it was something that none of the other girls heard. Sure. And I ended up being the only black girl in the film. Yeah. So it helped me get the job in that way. It made it obvious that I was there. <laughs> Look at me, I've got an afro. <laughs> no, but it's good. And that's what stood out for me because I really 
loved the film just in itself. I think don't often get young girl coming of age films. They're usually about yeah. boys and stuff like that. Or it's like a, a, a multi-lead, so it's never really focused on a girl. So and I, this is just such a touching film. And your character was always kind of the one that was reluctant to get involved in the full bullying of the main lead she character. Was. was that always the character you wanted? And once you got the role, how did you develop her character and what? how did you get in touch with who she was? So initially we all read for Iona. That's okay. the initial script that we all got. And then Deborah said that from that, the way we all played her, she chose which girls we would be best suited to. Okay. So from my first audition, I was always reading for Chelsea. She knew that I was going to be one of the girls. And then we had three or four rounds. I mean, in the chemistry read, we did the scene where um, Lily was already cast. So mm. we all went and read in with her. And she got us to switch about with either Stacey or Chelsea. So they're very different, as you've seen in the film. Stacey's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And she just said that Chelsea was the character that I played the best. And I agreed with her. Um, in the chemistry read, I really wanted to be Chelsea. Not that I see myself in her, but just because I think her story arc's really interesting yeah. and so true. We see a lot of bullying sort of films. We see a lot of girls that bully, but you don't see girls that are bullying because they think it's what they're supposed to do yeah. a lot in films. So that's why I really, really liked her character. And it was really obvious. I think it was good. You did play her really well as well. And it was Thank it was you. obvious that she had the reluctance and so how did you draw on her character and did you have have you yourself actually experienced bullying or have you been a bully i have i've experienced bullying i think we all have at some point one mm. way or another but i've also experienced being a bystander and yeah. being in a group of friends and it's that friendship bullying which is what i love about this film it's not a group of girls that despise a girl it's a group of girls that think they're friends with this girl and think it's okay to do that to a friend yeah i've been in a group of girls where there's been a new girl joined and we're friends with her but she's left out deliberately and it's that should i shouldn't i because i don't want to be bullying this girl i quite like her but also these are my friends and if they're doing it well of course it's fine it's okay but then i think because i have had that experience of being bullied i was always the girl said no like this isn't going to happen this can't happen yeah but i didn't ever have a voice in terms of being the hero it was more as what chelsea did being a friend that's there being the girl that makes her feel okay being the girl that tells her that something's going on which i think is equally important to being the girl that stands up and is the hero i think in general you're right in saying that usually bullying is always depicted as you know a group of people ganging up against one person and just being ultimately vulgar whereas yeah. it especially when I've been in, in the same kind of thing you're in a friendship group where you kind of are aware that you're doing something wrong to one particular person in the group but at the same time you're all friends and sometimes the person's even laughing with it so you don't and as young people yeah. you don't you know that you're doing something wrong but you don't kind of know how to stop it mm -hmm. and Chelsea as well is trying to survive so she's not singled out so things aren't turned on her because everyone's trying mm. to survive and there's a really nice scene in it as well where even Keely says to Iona if I wasn't with these girls I'd do things so differently yeah so it's like even the girl that is at the root of all of this even she thinks that she has to do this because of her friends yeah. they all are like following each other without realizing that none of them want to be doing the same thing it's that thing that teenage girls don't communicate none of them sit down and chat about anything it's just this is what someone's doing so we're all going to do it joanna scanlon who plays lynn um iona's mum she obviously has her disfigurement and so she's a bit odd and even that in itself was like as a parent i know that there's times where, like okay i've got to make sure that i don't embarrass my own child because i know how important it yeah. is 
just for a yeah. presentation. So did you ever, ever have a moment where you're like, parents, don't come anywhere near my school? I, <laughs> I had the opposite. So it's just me and my mum at home. Okay. My dad passed away, unfortunately, oh, before I was born. So me and my mum are, like, inseparable and have mm. always been inseparable. So I was always that kid at school whose mum was, like, the cool mum. Cool. So they would all come round, and my mum would be the mum that was, like, watch us all. She was never lenient. She was never strict she was just the mum that was like always there to keep an eye on her so I never had that I was always quite proud of my mum and like she would come with us everywhere but I have had friends whose parents have been the embarrassing parents and it's like <laughs> stay away from me don't come anywhere near me tonight so like you have to go out of the house all night um, I think it's such a, it is such an important part of growing up that, that age that you get to and suddenly your parents aren't cool anymore and yeah. you just want to be with your friend. Yeah, and it's, and also having that line of communication, which you said you're you're close to your mum. My daughter's really close to me, and Iona's relationship with her mum is totally odd, but also mm. quite dependent. And she, I mean, I can't give away too many spoilers, but especially how it ends, it was just so important. It was just such a powerful, powerful. From the storyline, what did you take away from it? And being on a, on set as well, because it's quite a new cast in general. I think Joanna's probably the most uh, the most experienced. So what did you learn from maybe working with her and just generally being in that environment and telling such a story? From the actual film, I think the message really stuck with me mm. and that it's you really need to figure out who you are and who you want to be and not care at all about how other people want you to be. Sure. I think that's a really important thing that I took, especially from Chelsea. That scene where she does realise who she wants to be, mm. I think that's what stuck with me a lot. And in terms of working with the actors, it was a really big deal for me to be working with all of these people. And they all work in such different ways. It was really interesting to see. There were times where Lily would go off and she would be Iona and okay. she would become a different character. And then she would come to set and it would be, we'd, we'd literally watch it transform. She would come and she'd be a different person. Wow. Um, that was a different way of seeing someone work for me. And it was really interesting, really, really interesting. And we also did scenes where we would improvise. And there was a lot of big scenes where there was a few of us in there. And we would just put the camera on and it would start rolling. And we'd just see what happened. Mm. We'd obviously have a script to follow. But we'd see what happened. And that was my first experience of improvising on camera. Okay. Which was really interesting. And I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So there were a lot of things that I learned from doing that. Because your career is relatively new but have you how long yeah. have you actually been acting I know it's always um, different when it comes to credits and actually how long you've been hard yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I started acting um when I was 14 and wow. so that was the day that I became an actor I'd been involved in drama and singing and dancing for years and years and years but when I was 14 something just clicked and that was the day that I became an actor so I lived in France for six years and where I was from, they weren't focused on academics at all. It was all, let's go and make a play in the really? forest. Let's go and write a monologue and perform it. Let's go and write a song and perform it for our parents. It was very arts-based. Okay. And I think because you don't start school in France until you're six. So when I went, it was like the beginning of school, whereas in England, you've already been in school for like four years. Yeah, they were very much, it was very find yourself. It was very dramatic and artsy. Mm. So when I came back home and it wasn't like that, I was shocked. I was like, oh God, like, why are we doing science? So I was just obsessed with acting. I was obsessed with it. And I didn't understand at that age that it could be a job and it was their career. I knew it was what I wanted to do and it was all I enjoyed at school. I, I was always okay at school and I got on and I did academic things, but it was, I never, ever enjoyed anything as and I enjoyed acting and then I had a couple of really good drama teachers at school and they were really encouraging and then one day I was just watching The Dumping Ground remember Tracy Beaker yep, yep, program. Yep. and I remember there was children in there and I remember going hold on they're my age so they're acting and that's their job yeah. which means that 
I could be and it was like this moment of like realisation and it was crazy and I'll never forget it and then from that day it was like right I'm going to be an actor so me and my mum sat down and we googled all these how to be an actor and how we found mm. Screen Terrier and we found all these different websites and, and that's when I joined a television workshop which was like a training ground for yeah. young actors that wanted to do screen for me um, in Birmingham and that was when I was 14 and then quite quickly after that I got an agent and I got my first job when I was 14. So the journey been pretty straightforward for you haven't had that kind of I don't know and um, how old are you now sorry? I'm 20 now. Okay. I think I thought it was going to be straightforward all the way through my life so far there's been that moment of oh that's it now you fine you've, you've had that break so mm. You first get an agent and you think, oh, I've made it. And then you realise you haven't made it at all. And then I went through that period where I was at college and it was around the time I had to apply for drama school. And I had always had the idea of wanting to go to drama school in my head. But a big part of the reason why I started when I was 14 was because I was impatient. I didn't want to wait until I was 21 and graduating to be doing this. I just wanted to be doing it now. And I got to 18 and it was like, oh, do I audition? Do I not audition? Do I risk auditioning and not getting in and then being like down forever? And so I decided that I was going to wait and give it a year of just auditioning it had been my first year out of education auditioning and see what happened yeah um and that was the year I got my first screen job I got a job on doctors um which for me was like a big thing and it was the first year I'd properly given everything to it and I and that was what where it really started I just think just when you think you know this industry you realize you don't know it at all it's, uh, and that's what's a big thing yeah I mean, it's early days, I mean, 20, you've got such a long career yeah. ahead of you. What are your goals? I'd love to, by this age, have done this type of project. And where, where are you veering towards? Are you kind of like everything, film, TV, whatever, stage, or yeah. do you have a preference? I mean, so, so I started in musical theatre. That's okay. what I was, was training in for, for pretty much my whole like childhood. Um, and my first job was um, a tour, so it was musical theatre. But very much screen at the minute. Um, I have got like a five-year plan, and I'd like to have ticked everything off. Yeah. But I'd like to have done a bit of everything in the next five years. I'd really love to get back in the next few years. And so having done Pincushion, which is my first feature, and I've just finished filming a sitcom for E4, so I've done a bit of TV and a bit of film. Okay. Now I'd really like to get a play or to get a series, like a substantial, um, long-running series. Yeah. Would be really nice. Are yeah. You, are you looking to America at all? You know, I am, and I have. I'm so desperate to be welcomed here and to make it work yeah. in the country that I'm from. I'm almost reluctant to even try it because I know that it probably would work out and I still want to be let down by England. Maybe in a few years, I'll try. No, I hear that, and it's, it is important to conquer your home turf. It, it's really important, and I think the oh. industry needs to nurture black talent and mixed race talent a lot better than they are doing something that America seems more viable than the place that you grew up in so yeah I definitely agree understand that Uh like I said you've got such lengthy time ahead of you if you could swap like not even swap places if you could map their career is there anyone that inspires you and you're like yeah this is the career path I'd like to take I absolutely adore Ruth Mega I think her career has been phenomenal so far and then on the other side of the pond Taraji P. Hansen is just a dream and it's not a coincidence that I name black actresses because you do look to people that look like you when you're looking for goals and inspiration a lot of the time people go oh, why are you only why are you only aspiring to be people and you know and it's because it's hard in this industry to look to people that don't look anything like you yeah and even see a chance of it becoming what how they've become do you know what I mean no definitely so so those two um 
are brilliant and I would love my career to look even a smidge like theirs does. <laughs> yeah, they're both they're both great women. And you're right because you can be inspired like, you know, everyone is like Meryl Streep's a great one of the greatest actors ever and we can all, regardless of race and gender, recognise her talent and have aspire to have a career similar to that. But it does make sense to have your mirror image because that then part carves or shows a bit of reality to what can be it done. Does. It's why representation is so important. Sure, sure. It really is. Have you been interested in the football? Do you? Have you given a damn? I, you know, I've watched it and I've sung the song, <laughs> but I haven't really been interested. <laughs> Although I did go and watch it last night and everyone cried and it was a bit emotional. <laughs> did, uh, did you cry? I did. Oh. I cried because everyone else was crying. <laughs> it was like a group of emotion. Everyone was just sad. Oh, did you watch it? Have you been watching it? No. I just came back from holiday. My friends were messaging through and I was like, I had one eye open. I'm just a cynical, cynical, <laughs> cynical person. I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Who cares? I've got better things to think yeah. about. And I've got jet lag, so I don't care. I understand. I think being in the moment, you definitely would feel it. So I, wouldn't, yeah. I won't judge you for crying. I get it. I get it. <laughs> It was like a wave. Everyone was so sad. It was just like a rush of communal crying. That's good for the human spirit, I suppose. Getting a little bit of yeah. emotion out there. So what are you doing for the rest of the summer and what's next for you? We've got the premiere tonight. Yay! Um, and then I assume that the rest of the summer, we've got a Q&A next week and then a few more coming up. So this summer's going to be pretty pincushion focused, mm. I imagine. And then I'm just waiting to hear back on loads of projects to see what the next step is and what's happening from September. So, yeah. So, lastly, what would you like the audience to take away from Pincushion when they go and watch it? And why should they go and watch it? Oh, they should go and watch it because it's really important that we support independent feature films. The British indie scene is so strong at the minute and it can only get better and it's really important that we go and watch these films just as much as we go and watch the huge blockbusters. Sure. But also, it's just a really beautiful message. I think what they take away from the story We'll stay with them for a really long time, yeah. as it has done with a lot of people that I've spoke to that have watched it. So, yeah, it'd be really nice if they could go and see it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank yes. you so much. Have fun at tonight's premiere.